Hi, this is Chris Nessie from the House of EdTech podcast. Welcome to the Google Teacher Podcast Archive. I used to produce and edit the Google Teacher Podcast, hosted by Matt Miller and Casey Bell. You can enjoy the podcast once again, and be sure to visit the new website, chrisnessy.com slash googleteacherpod. Please note that any of the show note links mentioned in the episodes are no longer valid, but if you go to chrisnessy.com, dot com slash Google Teacher Pod, you can search the archive and check out the show notes for each and every episode of the Google Teacher Podcast. Thank you for your continued support, and may the Googles be with you. Welcome to the Google Teacher Tribe Podcast. Your source for the latest news on Google for education, tips, tricks, and teaching ideas you can use in class tomorrow. And here are your hosts, Matt Miller from DitchThatTextbook.com and Casey Bell from ShakeUpLearning.com. Well, here we are, folks, in episode 43 of the Google Teacher Tribe. That number just keeps creeping up. I can't believe that Mm -hmm. we've done that many episodes. And, you know, we have confessed that the beginning of this podcast seems to be the toughest part for Matt and I. And we talk all the time, but we can't decide, like, what we we share personally that that you actually are going to care about. So (laughs) we decided today that that we're going to talk about some of the things that we're reading. And, you know, I think we're both sort of voracious readers. I, I am constantly mm-hmm. consuming information as, as quickly as I can and trying to process and learn as much as I can always. So Matt, what's on your reading list right now? You know, I've just started reading this book by Daniel Pink. Um, he's really one of my favorite authors. I've, I've really um, enjoyed a lot of things that he's written. And he just recently published this book called Win. The Scientific Secrets to Perfect Timing. And he digs into some science and some scientific studies about a variety of different things and how if you do things at certain times, it improves uh, your outcomes. And there were two things in particular that really struck me. One was um, that whenever students take tests, there is a huge, huge advantage to taking tests earlier in the day as opposed to later in the day. And he says that the advantage is so big that it's comparable to, I think it said it's comparable to like having the school year be two weeks shorter or I don't know, there was some other limiting factor that it compared it to. But basically by taking tests earlier in the day that students demonstrate better understanding. And then the second thing that I thought was interesting had to do with when you should drink coffee. And it says, yeah, I know it says that um, all day, right? All day. Yeah, that's right. Now it says that um, when you first wake up in the morning, your body's still producing cortisol, uh, which is what kind of makes you feel groggy and tired. And um, if you try to drink coffee while that cortisol is still in your system, that it kind of like mitigates the the caffeine in your system. And so he says, if you want to get like the the maximum performance out of your caffeine, you should drink it. I think it was like 60, it was either 30 or 60 minutes after you wake up uh, or 60 to 90 minutes or something like that. Basically, if you wait an hour after you wake up, which is not 
very easy for most of us, um, that that's when you're going to see your most uh, caffeine kick. So just stuff like that really fascinates me, especially when it's tied to science. Oh, yeah. I love those little life hacks. But Daniel Pink has really I mean, he's he's put out some amazing books. So I pretty much anything that he writes, I am interested in. And I had not heard of this one. So I'm definitely going to add this to my list. But, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, the research that he puts in and I've read about like the years he doesn't put out a book like every, you know, six months or a year, like a lot of authors do. He really puts in the time to do the research, what's behind it. And right. I've, I've seen him speak before, too. And he is just as powerful, uh, you know, speaking verbally as he is in print. So I really I'm going to I'm going to be excited to, to check that. I might be super excited to check that one out. Hashtag. Super excited. <laughs> Hashtag. All right. So um, I have a few different things because, you know, I have I have trouble just sharing one tiny little thing. My focus is mostly on um, some shares from Seth Godin, which uh, you, you may have noticed Matt and I. Are, are fans of Seth Godin. In fact, that's sort of where the tribes idea sort of came from one of his books. But Seth put out a, a free sort of ebook, this PDF that you can get. It's called Stop Stealing Dreams. Mm-hmm. And it's actually all about how we're stealing our students' dreams, what's wrong with the educational system in the U.S. And, and there's some amazing quotes and information that's in that. But along with that, Seth was also on a podcast with Tim Ferriss. And Tim Ferriss put that into a book called The Tools of Titans. So I've linked to both the free PDF and The Tools of Titans. And actually what I want to share with you is something that Seth said on Tools of Titans because it's just so powerful. He says, I think we need to teach kids two things. One, how to lead and two, how to solve interesting problems. Because the fact is there are plenty of countries on earth where there are people who are willing to be obedient and work harder for less money than us. So we cannot out obedience the competition. Therefore, we have to out lead or out solve the other people. Isn't that powerful? Wow. That's yeah. amazing. That's a thinker right there. <laughs> like that's, that's one yeah. that makes you stop. Um, and 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 his his ideas kind of just keep going and going and going. In fact, you know, I found myself quoting him a lot as, as in my own writing. Just that he really seems to have his finger on the pulse of some of the things that we think about, and maybe don't always know how to articulate in terms of how to how to do education a little bit better. So um, even though these may look like sort of outsiders that we're talking about, they all definitely have some, some great, great ideas on improving education. Yeah. Yeah. I love Seth Godin. love, love all of his work. He's a prolific blogger and has a similar great ideas on his blog. So um, I know we, we kind of went a little bit longer on that than we usually do at the beginning of the show, but hopefully you found some value in it and we're going to dive right into our, um, our podcast and the things we're going to be talking about. So uh, today we've got a little bit of information for you about kicking off class on the right foot, um, what you might call bell ringers or warm-up activities. And there are lots of really cool um, Google-based activities that you can do. So Casey and I will share some of our favorites from there. Of course, we've got lots of Google news and updates. We've had some great shares and ideas from the tribe. And of course, we've got some blog posts to share. So Casey, are you ready to dig in? Let's go. Let's go. 
It's time for the Google News and Updates. I know this happens to be the favorite part for many of our listeners. It's impossible to keep up with Google, but we try to help with that. In fact, uh, we spend quite a bit of time digging through all the updates to try to find what may be pertinent to teachers and education. So the first news I want to share has to do with the Doodle for Google contest. So if you haven't been paying attention, this is for K-12 students across the U.S. It closes on March 2nd. So that that deadline is approaching fast. We have a link to all of the information in our show notes. So just be sure that if you want to participate in that, that you don't miss that deadline. Yeah. And speaking of deadlines, uh, the Applied Digital Skills program, which is a, a really neat uh, curriculum, Tech, like it says here, a technology curriculum for practical problem solving and digital skills that lets uh, students dig into some, some really cool uh, problems. If you want to be part of the pilot for that, uh, that that application deadline is coming up. Uh, so that's March 15th. And we've got a link in the show notes. If that sounds like something you'd like to get uh, students at your school included in, then head over to that link at our show notes at googleteachertribe.com slash 43. Okay, moving on to one of my favorite topics. Uh, <laughs> uh, sort of appropriate that I got this one, but <laughs> new ways to comment on Microsoft files inside Google Drive, and that's without conversion. So I actually am a big fan of this because I don't, like having to open uh, inside Microsoft. I prefer to do it in Drive. And so if you notice with this update, you can now leave comments in the preview window. So you'll see a little animated GIF in our show notes that kind of shows how this works. But now in the Drive preview pane, you can comment, assign tasks, or mention coworkers. So if you're working still in some Microsoft files, I know many of our schools are actually dual schools using Microsoft Office 365 and Google Drive. And you can use those things right there inside of Google Drive. I always love to say that Google plays well with others. So uh, this is the mm -hmm. perfect example. Right, exactly. It'll even play with Microsoft products. <laughs> Now, for those of you that use Team Drive, Team Drive is, um, you know, how usually you've got your own Google Drive with your own files. But if an entire team or multiple people need to be working out of the same drive, then Team Drives make that possible. And now it's easier for teams to store and search and access important files. And now you've got the ability to email all of the members of a Team Drive at once. And so there is a button. If you go from the team drive, you can uh, click the drop down menu next to the team drive name and click email members. Or if you're within a file, if you've got a file open that's in the team drive, uh, what you can do is go to the file menu and click email collaborators. So through both of those things, if you want to email everybody that's part of that team drive, those are two quick and easy ways to do that. Nice. I, I love that uh, Team Drive is really helping us find better ways to collaborate. And that's that's a great little addition there. Now, moving on to another update, you know, they've really been shifting some things in the menus inside some of our favorite Google. I wonder what's uh, going on with that. You yeah. Know? <laughs> So they, they've definitely been trying to streamline things and move things around. So mm -hmm. so here's a few things you may have already noticed. If not, you may notice it in the next few days. But these effects 
all of what they call the docs editors, which means Google Docs, Slides, and Sheets. So inside the tools menu, they're going to change spelling to check spelling. Ooh, big shift there, right? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> In the edit menu, select none will be reviewed, uh, removed, I mean. Items in the file edit and tools menu will be reordered. So they're just kind of giving it some new organization. Um, Google Sheets has got a few changes in their menu as well. In the data menu, filter will be renamed create a filter. Makes more sense, right? In the data menu, validation will be renamed data validation. Items in the data menu will be reordered and items in the format menu will be reordered. And they didn't give us a lot of specifics on that. So, <laughs> hey, it's just, you know, we're going to we're going to shift things around and, and you let know, yeah. you know. You know what that reminds me of is whenever you call and you get an automated um, answering service or something that says, please listen carefully as our items have changed or <laughs> as our menu has changed. It's like now they've been reordered. So please listen carefully. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, yeah, good luck with that. That's kind of how I read it. Like, go I, find it yourself. Yeah, exactly. And, of course, if you want to catch up with any of the links or more information about any of these things, you can go to our show notes at googleteachertribe.com slash 43. So, Tribe, I'm sure that we all know that whenever we start a class as teachers, we have that kind of like golden five minutes or 10 minutes or whatever at the beginning of class where we have students most attention. And we want to take our take control of that and, and use it to hook kids into our lessons and really get them going. And so the beginning of the class is kind of a crucial time. Um, and I know um, many times in my own classroom, and I know lots of other teachers have have tried to kick class off in the right way by doing what they call bell ringer activities or like warm up activities. You know, it's something where students can come in and can get right to work where they don't have to wait for us to give them instructions. And, um, you know, instead of just giving students a kind of like a dry question on the board where they have to list five facts about something, we can get kind of creative with it and, and come up with some neat things to engage kids to maybe even get them thinking visually or kind of spark that creativity a little bit and uh, get class started off on the right foot. And so what Casey and I have for you today are a handful of ways that you can do just that. You can start your class off with a bang uh, by doing some of these bell ringer activities. And I wanted to start off with um, one of the, one of my favorite ones. And this is super simple. This is something that students can do in just a matter of a couple minutes. And that is to add speech bubbles to a photo. And so that could be like a historic photo or a work of art um, could even be something from the news. Um, and basically the way that I like to do this is one of two ways. Uh, you can either have students open up a blank Google drawing or you could create a shared Google Slides presentation where you share the the presentation and give everybody edit access. So it's like clicking the share button saying anyone with this link can edit and each student has their own slide. And then what you do basically is in either one of those cases, um, you just insert an image from the web and pull in a picture that fits whatever it is that you're talking about. And then using the little shapes tool up at the top, one of the options under the shapes and everything is the, the call outs. 
and there are speech bubbles and thought bubbles there. And so just by inserting one of those little speech bubbles in, um, that shows what that person would be saying in that instance. And I even kind of think that that's kind of higher order thinking because you've got to know it's not just, you know, regurgitate three facts about this, this thing. It's, it's where you have to put yourself in that person's shoes to say what they would be thinking about. So I've seen, I've seen some teachers do this in, in some really fun and creative ways. And I think it really does get kids off on the right foot. I, I completely agree with that. And, you know, those, those warm ups sometimes, I, often, I, I know in my class, they sort of became mundane. Like I, I, you have to mix it up a little bit. And so some of the things that I want to share are more strategy than actual, like, you know, how, how to activities. And one of the first things I just wanted to mention is inside of Google Classroom, I have shared this tip several times and I know many teachers who are doing that, but they use the about tab to post their bell ringer or their warm up, and they will reuse the same Google slide deck every day. And so they'll just add a new slide for each day. First of all, it's a warm up, and most of the time that's not like really assessed or graded. It's really just, you know, uh, uh, just to see where the student picks up, you know, what do you remember from yesterday, those types of things. So I, I think that's a great idea. I love things that save me time and the fact that it's going to be at the top of the about tab instead of something that kind of gets lost in the stream of Google Classroom. So that's one strategy, you know, and of course, it doesn't have to be Google Slides. I mean, you could reuse whatever, although, as we've talked about on this show many times, uh, we, we do have that Swiss Army knife thing going with with Google Slides that makes it particularly easy. But uh, so so that is is one strategy that that I wanted to share. Yeah, no, I think that's great. Um, and I've seen, I've seen teachers do that in a number of, a number of, uh, different scenarios. And I like how that takes all of that work and keeps it all in one central place in that, in that slide presentation. Um, so another, another quick, uh, bell ringer activity that I've, I've seen in a couple of different places that I really like is the idea of creating emoji poetry or blackout poetry. Now, these are two like completely different things, but I think these would be a really fun response to something that you've been reading. Um, and so the emoji poetry works like this. If you have, like for me, for instance, I have a Chrome extension that allows me to add emojis to my, um, to the things in the, in the web, uh, in the web browser. It's called emoji for Google Chrome. And, um, I've seen people do, uh, writing prompts where they say, summarize, you know, the last two chapters in six emojis. Or something like that. And so then, you know, students, obviously, a lot of them are very familiar with emojis and know all of them. And so they're able to kind of put those together. And it's fun to see how they take a, a big bunch of text that maybe they've read or talked about and how they summarize it down into like six emojis. And then another version of that is to do blackout poetry. Uh, this is something that has been popularized by Austin Cleon, who um, wrote the books uh, Show Your Work and, oh dear, what was the other book that he wrote? Um, I'll remember it later, I'm sure. <laughs> but anyway, Austin Cleon, I love all of the, the books that he's written. And he does blackout poetry where he'll take a whole 
article like from the New York Times or something and he'll use a Sharpie marker and he'll black out all of the words except for like five or six or seven. And those words create a sentence or a phrase that's kind of telling. And so um, this is something that you could do with a screenshot. Um, take a screenshot of a, um, you know, maybe like a web page or uh, take a, a webcam snapshot of a page out of a book and then just draw lines and, um, you know, maybe like black rectangle shapes over the top of the text that you want to black out and just leave the ones that are, are um the ones that you want to leave. And I've got an example of this in the show notes that I'm, that I've uh, dropped in so you can kind of see what it looks like. But those are, those are two kind of creative ways to kick off class, I think. I, I love both of those. I have been wondering as of late what the whole emoji communication thing is doing to our culture. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, and maybe Daniel Pink is studying it, but. I, I, so here's a here's a true confession. When somebody sends me a text message and I really don't know what to say, I just find some emoji and I don't even know what words that the emoji would convey that I could equal. You know, you you know, there are other people. Y'all are out there, right? I'm not alone. But you know, there's sometimes I'm like, okay, upside down smiley face because I don't know exactly what that means. But uh, so anyway, sidebar about you know. Emoji communications. I'm sure somebody out there is studying it because it has to be affecting things. But uh, so uh, getting back to our topic at hand, of course, there are really tons of activities that we've probably already covered in other episodes that would make good warm up. So it's really just a matter of sort of finding, you know, what fits what you're teaching that day. And of course, we're, we're what we're sharing today, we're trying to keep in that that five to 10 minute window of a true you know, bell ringer or warm up for you. But, you know, we did an episode a few weeks ago where I shared about Pear Deck and Pear Deck has this awesome new add on inside Google Slides. If you haven't checked it out, go look at it. And you can see they have these templates and they've broken down the templates for beginning of class, middle of class, end of class. And so you can go check out the beginning is obviously, you know, with the idea of a warm up, you know, things that you might be asking students about, you know, yesterday's work and things like that. The other thing is I'm a big fan of using the three two one strategy. And I have used this throughout my teaching career. And it might be at the beginning, it might be at the end, it might be in the middle. But um, I use a three two one and you can make three two one whatever you want. But here's the suggestion. You know, so I might have students filling out a Google form that's a three two one and I say Okay, three things you learned yesterday, two things you could teach someone else, and one question that is still lingering, you know, just to get them refreshed. I mean, that's generally where we're going with those types of things. Now, like I said, this could be on a piece of paper. It could be in a Google form. You could put it as a question inside Google Classroom. Lots of different ways to use that. But just another strategy, you know, if you haven't tried it, I like that because it's, it's a flexible strategy to use for a lot of different things. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I love that. And, you know, what? really you really don't even have to have, um, you know, technology to be able to do a lot of this stuff. Um, you know, in, the, in this case, this is just a, a sound instructional strategy. And so, yeah, yeah, definitely love that. Uh, one last thing that I wanted to share um, is something that is getting more and more popular, it seems, with teachers and students, and that is book snaps. Um, I know book snaps is something that was kind of hatched out of the creative mind of Tara Martin, um, who's a great educator out in Kansas. Um, and basically what she started doing was taking pictures of an individual page of a book that she's been reading. 
and she would take a picture of it with Snapchat. Now, of course, you don't have to use Snapchat. And actually, the example I'm going to share doesn't use Snapchat, but she would do it with Snapchat and then she would annotate on that picture. So she would have a page of a book. She'd start dropping bitmojis onto it, you know, like little uh, cartoony pictures of herself. Um, she would put in little icons. She would circle things that, that really resonated with her and even type little text messages on top of that image. And so it becomes this like sort of multimedia mashup of her reflection on that segment of the book. And these are super easy to create using Google Drawings and Google Slides because, of course, you can go to insert image and use the camera, which will activate the webcam of your device. Uh, have students take a picture of the book that they've been reading. Now, it's a little bit tricky because you've got to hold it up to that webcam. And it seems like whenever you move it to the left, it moves right. And it's just it's kind of it feels kind of backwards. But once you get the hang of it, um, you click to take the picture and then you can start annotating on top of it. Uh, so by using slides or drawings, you, know, you can underline certain things or you can add little text and speech bubbles. And if you've got the uh, Bitmoji Chrome extension, you can pull little Bitmojis in there. And so um, I know a lot of teachers use this for um, reflecting on professional reading, but I think kids would get a, get a kick out of this too, being able to, to create book snaps of the things that they're reading too. Oh, I love book snaps. I think that's a fantastic idea. And you drop a bitmoji on that thing and the kids are going to love it. <laughs> right. I, I bet somebody listening right now has already bitmojied somebody today. So can uh, I just say that the term drop a bitmoji on somebody just totally cracked me up just a second ago? <laughs> <laughs> I think we've said that before. Too. Oh, we have. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think I, I think we 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 tend to make up our own terms here at the Google Teacher Tribe podcast. Mm -hmm. I do. Yeah. Casey makes up new words. We know that. Oh, um, I do too. They're yeah, not they're yeah. not they're not always making sense kind of words, but anyway, yeah, no, I love that idea. It, so so to play off of that, you know, book snaps sort of at its heart started in the Snapchat world and kids kind of love doing those types of things and then we talked about the emojis. Well, the other thing that has been so much at the forefront of of our multimedia communications has been memes, right? Everybody loves a good meme. A, a funny picture or interesting picture with some words on it that tell a story in some sort of short way. And let me tell you as a language arts teacher, I love that how how concise you could be to tell a story um, or to get somebody's attention um, through an image with a little bit of text of course then we're then we're tapping into some of that dual coding thing as well Ooh, nice and, job Casey ah, see sometimes I'm with it now uh, <laughs> What my friend, the fabulous Alice Keeler, shared uh, on her blog is a collaborative meme template. So we love templates, right? We love it when somebody makes something for us. And she's got some examples on her site. She did this in Google Slides. And of course, it's really just putting a picture on there, you know, searching through the the Explorer tool or, or the search tool and finding some some photos. Of course, they could use the webcam like Matt mentioned earlier. And then they're going to give it some sort of caption to make it the meme. And uh, what Alice has put together here is they they actually have to explain it, <laughs> which I love because they don't always make complete sense, right? Or there is some part of, of teen culture that us old folks don't always understand either. So so we need some explanation. So, you know, help find that way, that connection. And of course, Alice is great at helping us see that this assignment 
can incorporate what, at least one of the four C's, right? You know, learning how to clearly communicate ideas. They may be getting creative. And so, so lots of great things here. Alice, of course, is not afraid of the camera. And I think she's got a, a waking up in the morning kind of yeah, picture yeah. in here uh, that you can see as well. So uh, those are just some of the ideas to help you kick off class with Google and, you know, to, to get students brains moving maybe first thing in the morning or the first part of your class. Yeah. And of course, um, we're fascinated to hear how you kick off class too. So please do share what some of your favorite Google infused warm up activities are. We would love to see them on the GT tribe hashtag over on Twitter. The Google teacher tribe podcast is a proud member of the education podcast network. The Education Podcast Network. Podcasts for educators, podcasts by educators. For more great education podcasts, go to edupodcastnetwork.com. It's time for the mailbag, folks. So the tribe always has tons of questions and shares. In fact, we can't share it all, but we try to find the best questions and the best feedback to to help all of us. And our first question, which ended up getting answered right there on Twitter, was a great question we felt to, to share because it's about Google Classroom and a lot of other teachers might have run into this issue. So when you're posting an assignment inside Google Classroom, sometimes you might add a topic, sometimes maybe not, but that little topic option helps you sort of filter through what you have in your stream. And we all know the stream can just become this big hot mess. So adding that topic can give you some organization. Now, um, after you've already posted the assignment, it might take you a little while to figure out that you can go back and change that later. So once you've added an assignment, you can click on the title of the assignment and down at the bottom, you'll see the option to create a topic or add a new topic right there and add that into your assignment. Now, this came to us from Twitter from Miss Getz, and I have no idea. I always get the names I'm afraid I'm going to mispronounce, so I apologize if I'm saying it's wrong. But uh, Miss, because we don't know your first name, has uh, posted this with the Google Teacher Tribe hashtag, and it was answered by Miss Drasby. So uh, she just gave the the short, sweet answer. Here's here's how to do it, and I love it. I think that's what's so special about connecting online and being able to get answers from your personal learning network. So there you have it. There's a quick and easy Google Classroom question and answer for you. Uh, so the next one we've got, this one comes from the question that we had about offering extra credit through Google Classroom. And so um, we had a response from Arcadia who said, could the question of extra credit be solved by having an announcement laying out the extra credit and then students can request access? Then... She can use the individual assign to add the grade only to relevant students. So in that case, you're um, you're just creating an assignment and only assigning it to the ones who are supposed to get the extra credit, which I think is definitely a step in the right direction. Um, it would since we can't do zero point assignments, it would mean that she would have to make the assignment worth points. Um, but that that definitely would work by using that. Um, 
that sort of differentiated assignment feature that Google Classroom has for its assignments. So uh, thank you to Arcadia and for um, to the tribe for weighing in on this because we've had a couple, or maybe even more than a couple of people uh, suggest some ideas on this one. Oh, yeah. I love that about the tribe, how everybody is willing to jump in and help solve these problems. So our next share here is actually a speak pipe. You know, we love the speak pipes. And this comes from Lindy Valachuk here in Texas. And Lindy has a Chrome extension recommendation that she wants to share. Take it away, Lindy. Hi, Matt. Hi, Casey. This is Lindy Valachuk coming to you from Monk's Corner, South Carolina. My Twitter handle is Lindy underscore Valachek. I was super excited. I got to see Casey at TCEA, and I was smiling from the third row. I wanted to share um, a Google extension that I came across. It's called Black Menu for Google. With one click, you're able to access all of your favorite Google apps without ever leaving the, the Google Doc or website that you're on. You can search your Google Drive or Docs. You can search websites or your Google Calendar. You can even pull up your Google Keep and search that. Um, you can also create a new Google Doc or slide or even sheets from this one extension. Check it out. It's awesome. So I have been a big fan of Black Menu. I think it's a great little shortcut to use for getting to all of your favorite Google tools and creations. Um, my, my Chrome extension list just keeps growing. So thank you so much for sharing that. And it was so good to see you at TCEA. It was a, a great week of learning, I think, for everybody there. Aren't face-to-face get-togethers the best? the best. Yes, absolutely. And so our last one, this is another voice message. And um, this one comes to us from Shannon Morgan. And she also has a another potential resolution to the login question. We had, um, we had a, a member of the tribe uh, ask us about having, it was something like 18 different students that were logging into the same Chromebooks and there were, it would only save 10 logins. And so Shannon's got a, um, an idea to, to kind of help that situation a little bit. Hi, Matt and Casey. Love the show. My name is Shannon Morgan and I'm from Rankin, Georgia. And I have um, possibly a solution for Jenny O'Sullivan from episode 41 with getting multiple students logged in easily on shared computers. In our district, we have our all of the shared um, computers and Chromebooks are already ready with the at symbol and beyond part of their email. So all they have to do is enter the first part, which cuts down on time and is easier for them to remember, especially the younger kids. So maybe she can get with her district um, administrator and see if that's possible in her area as well. So I hope this helps. Good luck, Jenny. And thank you, Matt and Casey, for all the awesome ideas. I like that, Shannon. And I've heard of uh, schools doing this before. Um, I'm not totally sure exactly how this gets turned on, but I would say if um, having that at and then your school's domain uh, right after it, if that sounds like that would be useful to you, I'm sure there's probably somebody on the tech side that you could ask and say, hey, is this is this a possibility? Because, yeah, the less characters that kids have to type whenever they're logging in, that definitely makes their their lives easier. 
yes, we don't want technology to be the barrier. I, I remember the days when it would take, you know, 30 minutes of your time to get the get the machine up and running and get kids in. And that's that's just not productive. So um, I, I think that's a great and I have seen that in other places. So I know it's possible. So you may have to talk to your your tech folks to figure out how to how to save those extra keystrokes. But I have to tell you, we had tons of other people, not just one, sharing the clever QR code um, badge uh, login yes. as well. So I, I threw a link in the show notes to that. Um, that is something extra, something you have to pay for, but it is designed to help littles log in. So it can be helpful, but I realize that that's, that's not a, a solution for everyone. Of course, we, we want to figure out how to make Google work for us, right? So, um, but I threw that in. And of course, you can get all of the links to everything that we've talked about today in the show notes at googleteachertribe.com slash 43. So to kind of wrap our episode up for today, Casey and I have a couple of blog posts to share with you. If you haven't seen them, uh, I just recently published a post called Learning in Motion, Easy Stop Motion Animation with Google Slides. And I have been uh, <laughs> touting the benefits of doing stop motion animation in Google Slides for a long time and realized that I haven't written a full length blog post about it. So this is really one of my favorite non-traditional uses of Google Slides is to create these little stop motion animations, either with the shapes and the lines and stuff or uh, with images. I mean, there's so much potential for using it in class. And so I give a, a step-by-step tutorial. Um, I've actually got a full-length uh, tutorial video on it, as well as a bunch of screenshots in the blog post. So if you want to dig into that and some ways that you can use it in the classroom, that is available over at ditchthattextbook.com and, of course, on our show notes for this episode also. Love it. Uh, there there goes our, our Swiss Army knife again. I, I think that uh, we can't make it through an episode without talking or, ta- you know, sharing the wonders that are Google Slides and how many things you can do with it. So thanks for sharing that. I have a post that's actually an updated post that uh, this is now the third update, but it has been the biggest post ever on ShakeUp Learning. And that is 50 awesome apps that integrate with Google Classroom. And it was so popular the day that I sent it out. In fact, I sent the wrong link. Sorry about that. That's how crazy my life was at that time. But um, yeah, we kind of we kind of broke my website for a little bit. It was so popular. So I'm not going to read all 50 to you. I know you really want me to right now. But um, the power that that is inside of Google Classroom and connecting with our favorite third party apps is what this is all about. So the things that you love that will connect in some way and give you that share to classroom option is what this list entails. So um, get go check that out if you're a Google Classroom user and you want to learn how to better and seamlessly integrate those other applications. Well, Tribe, that wraps up yet another episode of the Google Teacher Tribe podcast, episode 43. So hopefully you've got some new ideas for kicking class off. 
I have checked in on some of those new um, new updates with Google, and we appreciate you listening. And if you love the show, even if you just like the show, hopefully you <laughs> love the show, um, we would love it if you would share it with others. And of course, if you get a chance to rate and review on iTunes, uh, that is one of the best ways for people to be able to find the show. So we would so appreciate it if you did that. Yes, and and keep sharing with us. Keep connecting with us. That's what the tribe is all about, y'all. So thank you so much for listening to episode 43 of the Google Teacher Tribe. And we will see you on the next episode. Bye, y'all. Thanks for listening to the Google Teacher Tribe podcast. Keep up with every new episode by subscribing on iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher, and by visiting googleteachertribe.com. Get in on the conversation on Twitter by using the hashtag GTTribe. Until next time, keep harnessing the G Suite power, and may the Googles be with you. Thank you once again for listening to the Google Teacher Podcast Archive. For the latest on Matt Miller, be sure to visit his website, ditchthattextbook.com. For the latest on Casey Bell, be sure to visit her website, shakeuplearning.com. And to keep up with me and get the latest in education technology, be sure to visit my website, chrisnessy.com. And I invite you to listen to the House of EdTech Podcast.